Welcome to Meet, Act, and Part. A Masonic podcast hosted by Midnight Freemasons Greg Knott, Darren Larners, Todd Creason, and Bill Hosler. The views, opinions and experiences that are expressed by the hosts or guests as individual Freemasons do not reflect the official position of any Grand Lodge, appendant body, or Masonic authority to which the hosts or guests belong. And now on with the show. Here we are, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Meet, Act, and Part. This is episode 55, and we're going to call this one Membership. And we've got a special guest tonight, but before we get to him, we'll introduce ourselves, your hosts. I am Greg Knott. I'm Bill Hostler. And I'm Darren Laners. And our guest tonight is Dave Kelm. And Dave is a friend of mine that I've known through the Shriners. And we actually figured out we knew all these same people together from other lives we won't get into. But uh, <laughs> Dave, welcome to Meet, Act, and Part. Glad to have you. And I, I have a feeling this will be a, an entertaining episode if we get through all the questions. So, <laughs> Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much, guys, for having me. Thank you. Well, why don't you just give us a little bit about your Masonic background and... and Maybe what you're doing, not only in the shrine, but other things if you want as well. Yeah, sure. So I've always been interested as an adult, I should say, always been interested in Freemasonry and uh, becoming a Mason. Did not come from a Masonic family, not a legacy, but always had some interest from my own research and my own uh, reading of different fiction and nonfiction books. Ended up working with a couple of guys who were very active over here in Lodge 4 and Lodge 500 in Springfield, Illinois, and got to talking with them a little bit. It turns out that they had ulterior motives for me joining. I had my own motives for joining, which was to was to uh, sort of extend my philanthropic activities as well as my network, as well as the idea of becoming a, a not just a good mason, but a better man. Their ulterior motives were to get another person involved with Scottish Rite. It turns out that these brothers were super active in Scottish Rite, and I actually met them through a contract that I had working in and around the Hoagland Center for the Arts here in Springfield. And so knowing that I had an affinity for theater and some other things, they were super excited to get me involved in Scottish Rite. And so joined Lodge 500 in Springfield, St. Paul's Lodge 500 in 2007, which was probably a huge mistake because I also started law school in 2007 and went uh, to St. Louis University Law School, which is 90 minutes from Springfield. When I finally did finish law school, I got much more involved with Mason. Joined Scottish Rite in 2010 and then in 2017 joined Ansar Shrine Temple and became a Shrine Mason. At this point, I am the second lieutenant commander in the Valley of Springfield Scottish Rite Consistory, and I'm also the Oriental Guide. Uh, so that's the lowest, right, the lowest level of elected officer for Ansar Shrine. And uh, if everything holds steady, I'll become potentate in 2027. But they could kick me out. Who knows? I don't see it. So, and, <laughs> <laughs> and Dave is active because he probably won't mention it, but I will. He is going to Louisville, Kentucky, uh, late this summer, and he will be he'll receive the uh, the, the honorary thirty third degree. And of course, got to experience that last uh, in twenty twenty one. So, Dave, obviously, you've been active, and your your brother in there thought the world of you to to nominate you for that. Uh, that yeah, that, that I appreciate you bringing that up. It's 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 still a little numbing to me. I mm-hmm. I didn't expect ever to, to wear the white hat of a 33rd degree Mason. I, it was a complete surprise when, uh, when they informed me last summer. Uh, and, and it still is, it still is, is it takes my breath away to be honest. With you. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a real honor. So the reason Dave and I, we started talking, um, actually a few weeks ago, not necessarily about the podcast, but about the membership. We, we uh we were both in Texas at the Shriners membership and marketing conference, which I thought was pretty good, you know, by by any measure. And we just got to talking. I said, "Well, you need to be on our podcast sometime." And as Dave, I think you mentioned already that not only is the Oriental guy, but he's the membership chair of Ansar Shrine. And though right. while maybe this conversation began with Shrine membership, really that equation goes to every single thing we do in Masonry. Blue Lodge all the way through all of the appended bodies. So that's what we'll talk about is membership tonight. 
and uh, some of the thoughts that Dave has had, because he's trying to reinvigorate, I think, in Anzar, just the thought of having putting membership at the top of our mind uh, as an important issue. So let me stop there, Dave, and, and let you yeah. just kind of take it from there. Yeah. So, you know, in my work with Scottish Rite, I've also done some leadership training over at Scottish Rite, did, uh, have done and led a number of officer retreats. And, and now as a membership chair over at ANSAR, it dovetails nicely into what we were doing at Scottish Rite. What I think all too often happens with appendant bodies and with Blue Lodge is there becomes this friction, right? And a competition for membership, if you will. You know, I know that we have some lodges where the tradition sort of handed down from worshipful master, worshipful master is, you know, to not be excited about raising uh, a potential brother who is really looking at something more than just the blue lodge, right? Because they want to, in many cases, to hoard those members and not it not allow them to experience the full breadth of masonry, which includes York Rite, Scottish Rite, you know, ants, you know, shrine, and all the other appendants that are out there. But we also then have folks in at all levels, whether it's York, Scottish, or or shrine, that tend to to think that this is a competition. And, and so, what I've come to the membership committee with this year in Ansar is we have to be in this boat together. Right. Uh, we have to all be paddling in the same direction and not against each other or not in different in different boats because we will we will literally sink or swim together. Right. And so my effort as membership chairman is to every time I speak about the shrine or about masonry or about any particular appendant body is to talk about it and frame that conversation from the attitude that we all have to be thinking about membership. We all have to be discussing membership. Today was Monday, is Monday. I sent out a e-newsletter every Monday to all of the Ansar Shriners that have email addresses. And I discuss very briefly some membership ideas. And, and the, the idea today was, look, Ansar Shrine Temple has 26 different clubs and units underneath and in the under, under the umbrella of Ansar Shrine. Whether that's you know the Mounted Cowboys or Edgar County Shrine Club or Salt Fork Shrine Club or you know Crazy Carts, we have 26 clubs and units. Last year we lost, we net lost 79 members in Ansar Shrine. So my challenge to the 26 clubs and units was: each of you really only have to recruit three new members. Right. If you if you do any research about sales or business growth and and you break each individual component down into either a weekly goal or a daily goal or a monthly goal, whatever it may be, an hourly goal, how much money am I going to make? Well, we got to break ourselves down into that basic goal. Right. So for us to unfortunately for us to break even from last year's from 2022's net loss. We have to bring in three members per club, right? And we have some clubs that bring in literally tens of members, tens and dozens of members. We have some clubs that haven't brought in members in years. So the idea is we have to continually reinforce the idea that membership just doesn't happen by itself. So we have to talk about it constantly. And that apparently is my job. <laughs> well, that's good. I went to the, uh, this last weekend, I was in Danville at the Scottish Rite Reunion. And uh, the Grand Master was there. And, you know, he, he, he didn't talk very long, but he, he, he spoke about this. And he says, to your point, Dave, he goes, I don't care why people join. You know, if they, if their interest is Blue Lodge, that's great. If they want to come through Blue Lodge to go to one of the other bodies, he says, that's great. He goes, you know, from a Blue Lodge perspective, he goes, you have the first opportunity to engage that person. And so you need to give them a reason to stay with Blue Lodge and, and, and to, to do other things. I mean, you talked about it numerically from, you know, just our shrine example. And you're right, if you break it down to that small, simple, you know, way to look at it, it's really not so overwhelming because it is overwhelming sometimes, I think, to, to think about it. But what do, you, what do you think from just a, a Blue Lodge perspective, can we do about membership? Because membership matters. Absolutely. So one of the things that, that I've been doing, uh, well, uh, for the last few weeks, but 
This past week was a great example. So a week ago, I was at Oriental Guide School in Tampa for Shriners International. And I think the best thing that Shrine does is they provide a recorder and a membership chairman a a suite of tools through their uh, website, WebFez, uh, which is a members-only website. And they actually, so people, you know, non-Masons stumble upon the Shrine uh, website and fill out information. Those get essentially sent to the algorithm, sends those to, theoretically, the temple closest to them, right? So, you know, I've gone through the list of Masons who have indicated they want to be Shriners. I've gone through the list of uh, Masons who have filled out petitions to become Shriners and we're getting them scheduled. So in the last 10 days I've been working on, we have, I don't know, we had 56 non-Masons who had somehow gotten to Shrine. Maybe they saw a television commercial for the hospitals. Maybe they knew somebody was a Shriner and they decided that this was going to be how they become involved with masonry, didn't realize that you have to become a Blue Lodge Mason before you become a Shriner. So I sent out uh, essentially an email to all 56 of these guys. And as it turns out, I had, of the 56, we had 13 bad addresses, but I got 15 good responses, right? So 15 guys emailed me back. They're not Masons. And as it turns out, two of the 15 actually live in the Ansar region, right? And and for people who don't know, the Ansar region it goes from Quincy on the Mississippi all the way to Danville on the eastern part of the state and essentially Lincoln, Illinois to about Litchfield, right? So it's a big chunk. It's the 217 area code. It's a big chunk of property. Two of those 15 actually lived here. But you know what? What I did was using my Shrine Network, I sent five guys to... Uh, the information of five guys to the membership chairman at uh, Medina because they live in the Chicagoland area. Uh, there were, I think, two guys that lived in Mohammed, which is the Peoria area. And there were maybe another four or five guys who live in Southern Illinois or Inon, non-Masons. I contacted those temples, found out who I needed to get that information to. And those shrine temples are going to figure out what that? What is the best lodge for those guys to go to? And that's the way that we need to be working together to get this done, right? In, in fact, <laughs> we actually had two guys that that have moved and live in Missouri. So I called the Grand Lodge of Missouri. Cold called the Grand Lodge of Missouri and just like, hey, this is Dave Kelm. You don't know me. I'm from the Ansar Shrine Temple. I live over here in Springfield, Illinois. You probably don't want to talk to me, but I've got two guys who want to become Masons. So how do we figure this out? How do we get them? What are the lodges? And and after after a little hesitation at the Grand Lodge over there in Missouri, they were like, oh, wait, you're a real dude. You're not crazy. And let's get this taken care of. And, and that's the kind of cooperation that we have to have between the Shrine, Scottish Rite, Blue Lodge, York Rite, whatever. And it's just it is a daily grind to get those guys in. Now. The other thing that we're going to start doing uh, either in April or May is I've already talked to the Scottish Rite, talked to the York Rite briefly, talked to Grand Lodge briefly. Those four groups, including Ansar, we are going to host over the next several months, two or three, maybe four uh, open houses, right? So I think the Valley of Danville, Greg, now that you bring it up, I think the Valley of Danville has a uh, like a Meet the Mason event or events where they yeah. invite non-Masons or they invite Masons, Master Masons, to come and learn about Scottish Rite. So the idea behind this is to invite two different groups, right? To invite Master Masons to learn about appendant bodies in a, in a very relaxed, casual atmosphere, as well as to invite non-Masons to learn about Masonry. You know, I think we're all probably, we're all probably involved and active in other groups, right? Whether they're Kiwanis or Rotary or some other entity. And we know men who would make great Masons. And and those are the guys we have to go after. Those are the guys we have to go after every single day. You know, Bill has, not only has he got the wrong shirt on tonight because he's got an Indiana University shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but he actually has lived in and is a member of actually other jurisdictions other than Illinois. So, Bill, let me let me pass it to you for a minute. See what kind of questions or thoughts you might have for Dave. 
Oh, hi, Dave. First of all, it's nice to meet you virtually. Great to meet you, Bill. The biggest question I have, and I mean, you know, because I've done, you know, I've been kind of your membership chairman, but I was on the PR committee for and a webmaster for our local um, Shrine Center and um, magazine editor. So I went through the mill a few years ago, but I did notice in the email you sent out today that you had, of, of the 79, seven of them were demits. And yeah. did you ever, did you guys contact those seven men and find out why they didn't want to continue or if there was a reason or, if they, you know, if they were, you know, they couldn't afford it or if they just wasn't interested or if there's anything they might be interested in? Yeah. So the most recent admits, uh, not to get anything too specific, uh, but as, as I'm sure you've experienced, Bill, in, in your past, by and large, we have longtime Shriners who demit because of health reasons. Uh, they don't feel like they can be participative. They don't feel like they can, you know, get out because of age or because of health. And and it, it becomes a matter of demitting. And it, that's, that's the decision that they make. We have, in the recent past, had brothers who demitted or felt like they should demit because of financial reasons. And by and large, the Divan and Ansar, uh, if that is the case, has attempted to make as, as has attempted to make arrangements so that a member doesn't feel like they have to demit because of financial reasons. We have either made sure we paid the per capita to, to Shriners International uh, out of our uh, out of our treasury, or we often have other brothers who will pick up the the bill and the financial uh, responsibilities for a brother who feels like they need to admit. I I personally would much rather out of my pocket pay to keep a member, especially an active member, but to keep a member involved and not allow them to demit just because of financial resources or, or the lack thereof. Shrine and, and Scottish Rite, Blue Lodge, these are all activities and, and entities that you see members when they come to meetings enjoy themselves. They enjoy the fellowship. They enjoy the brotherhood. They enjoy the fun that we all have. And I would rather not see them have to abandon that because of financial wherewithal. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, and, and fun is part of it. I, when I first became a Mason 115 years ago, after our <laughs> lodge meeting would close, we would go up to the local shrine center there, Mizpah Shrine, and we'd go and you know, have a little of the camel's milk and eat. And at the same time as our state of meeting, we also, the Fort Wayne Scottish Rite met in this, you know, just right next door. And so they would sure. come over afterwards. And then, of course, there's Shriners coming from their various unit meetings and stuff. And that was the most fun. I think, I still think about those days. And I haven't had fun like that in a long time. Just, and you got to know the guys really well. And yeah. You know, if they could, you know, if they could bottle that up and just give it to every man who ever talked about being shrine, you could, you'd never have anybody leave. But I just yeah, it sells about, itself. It sells itself. Absolutely. You know, once they get in the door, and if they're if if, if they get involved, they're going to have a blast. And you know, the ceremonials are a blast and stuff. But I don't know. It's I remember the, when I was going to become a shriner. I had I had just been raised in about a year before, and we were up at the. Mizpah Shrine down in the Arabian room. We were eating, and the um, all the guys in there says, well, are you going to join the Shrine? I said, well, I said, eventually. I says, oh, you guys have already got me in the Scottish Shrine. I'm now in York Rite. I'm now in Blue Lodge. I'm, I, I think I was like senior deacon by then in Blue Lodge. <laughs> I says, I just don't have, have the money right off hand to do that. They said, well, if you had the money, which I said, well, sure, absolutely I would. And a little while later, I went to the bathroom. You know, I came back, and on my plate in front of me was a Mizpah petition. I looked at that, <laughs> and I said, guys, I did already, of course, they already had a top line and a bottom line sign. You know? mm-hmm. But I said, guys, I told you, I can't, I just can't do it right now. And they said, now listen, it's a done deal. We already collected money. We went up, we put it in an envelope with your name on it. And we put it through the <laughs> potentate's door. So if you don't sign that and go through with it, you're going. You know, we're going to be out the money, and we're going, and you're all all of us are going to look stupid. So well, I guess I'm going to become a shriner. And so like two months later, I I was driving a truck over the road then, and I was in Syracuse, New York, and so I had to drive all night to get back to Fort Wayne that 
by that Saturday morning to become a, a Shriner. So I'll never forget the first thing. You know, after the couple minutes, I think it was the cold sands. I'm just an exemplary thing. I'm like, that's it. But, you know, and then afterwards, as soon as I got my feds on, the guy handed me a beer and said, congratulations, Noble. And then next thing I know, we were having fun. It's just like, you know, <laughs> you can't. And, you know, and it's like all that fun and everything was so much, you know, I loved it. But the one thing that really got me was the first time that I rode with the, bunch of the guys up to Shriner's Hospital in Chicago. And, and from uh-huh. Uh-huh. And if you could take a bunch of guys who are prospectors, interested in becoming Shriners, and just run them through that hospital, and then yep. have like a bunch of petitions down at the end, it, it would be full. And because I'll never forget that to this day. And I had to go up there once to do up. Because I, I don't like to brag, but I was the guy that invented the first Shriner's email list <laughs> back Wow. Yeah. And so I had to give a talk at Shriners Hospital about it. And it just floored me on how wonderful those guys are. And I just, you know, we do great things. We just have to get the word out even more than we already do. Right. You know, and and the the thing about, so I just did a quick poll of uh, our membership uh, at the, our February stated meeting. And to simply ask them two questions. In a simple, short answer, why did you join? And why are you still a member? And and I passed that out. It was anonymous. And the the number one reason to join was uh, family, right? Dad, grandfather, brother. Somebody was a Shriner. And so that's that was the number one reason. Close second, though, was the hospital, uh, like within two votes. Uh, the hospital and the hospital system uh, was the number two reason why people joined. Uh, and the number one reason why they stayed was the, the brothers that they've met and the fellowship they've created at Ansar. The number two reason was the hospital, right? And so Ansar is in an interesting and unique position because we have a full, a full representative member on the St. Louis board as well as the Chicago board because we really fall in between both of those. We and the so same way with we, Chicago and Cincinnati, so I sure. get you. In Cincinnati, yeah. And so we we sort of we have two different guys. We share resources. Uh, St. Louis, we are much closer to. Uh, a, a lot more of our money goes to St. Louis. Uh, St. Louis, you know, has 29 different temples in the catchment area. And, um, you know, of the 22... Of the 22 Shriners Children's around the country, uh, St. Louis is the only one that operates in the black, uh, which ah, is fantastic. I didn't know that. And yep, I remember the, the recorder one. telling me when I first started, he said, and I know it's different now, but he says, you know, he says, if you were to go to a hospital and ask them how much it costs to do an operation, he says, they couldn't tell you. because it doesn't really matter to us. We just know we need right. to do it. And so we throw the money at it. And that, right. you know, that's... But another one that really stuck in my mind was when I was the webmaster, I got an email one time from this grandmother. And she said, I heard you Shriners help burn kids. And she mm-hmm. said, her grandson, their, their family didn't have two nickels rubbed together. They were living in a rented trailer. They were probably barely able to keep that going. And the little boy, he was like seven years old. I still cry when I think about it. But <laughs> He was underneath this roll it, you know, the couch with the bowls out into a bed, and he just played with a lighter. And he mm-hmm. caught the foam rubber on fire, and he just about put the trail. Oh my gosh! But all this foam rubber came down, and it went all over his arms and his you know, face and such. And of course, they ran into the local hospital, but they weren't going to work on him until they got money up front. Mm-hmm. And so somehow mm-hmm. they got the money. And the whole time when this nurse is scrubbing this poor little boy's arms, he's probably scared. And hurting. And she kept scalding him, telling him how bad a boy he was for just about sitting five times. And she said, is there no way that you guys could help? Absolutely. So I called the potentate. He got the thing rolling and the family says, well, you know, we just have to go down to Cincinnati. That's our local burn center. And he says, sir, he says, we don't even have a van that will make it that far. He says, even if we do, it's middle of July and there's no way we could do it because of the heat and all that. And we, and we said, well, we drive you there. Yeah. And they seem shocked. Said, we drive you there. We give you food. You know, you, anything you need for that family, for that trip, 
we're going to make it happen. That's right. And about oh, about about a year later, the next summer, I was at a a state well at a Shriners party of our. We have a course ground. It's like our meeting area, you know, for fun. And right. they had a thing, and they had a a kids display for all the kids, all the hospital kids. And this little boy come up, shook my hand, told me how glad he was, and I was there to help. See, this is twenty years ago, and it still gets me. Yeah, I had something new that could actually help this poor kid, and it helped the family too. And I just wish we could tell people that and show them what we do. And would you like to become a member? And maybe that might keep your demits down a little bit. But there has to be, you know, we just it's, it sells itself with, if we do it. We just have to figure out how to get that magic formula. Right. You know, and, and one of the things that you, you bring up, Bill, the, you know, 20 years ago, you did, you know, the website, right? And so Ansar uh, is still sort of in a pilot phase with a contract uh, third-party social media company here in Springfield. And uh, we began with them in October. The Divan made the financial commitment to contract with them in November, or excuse me, in October. And... I say it's a pilot because, you know, we're, we're such a large geographic area that to target all the whole 217 can be difficult from, you know, Facebook, Instagram, you know, all the different social media channels. It, it can be difficult. And so we're right now we're, we're piloting uh, this targeting through our Facebook ads and our Facebook messaging, as well as I think we do some Instagram. And the amazing part is, you know, we used to do this on our own, right? Everyone can pretend they know what what they can do on social media or on podcasts or whatever. But when you actually have a professional firm do this, it's amazing. So for our circus, for instance, which is the weekend before Thanksgiving, typically we would have maybe 2,500 of 4,000 impressions for the circus. Uh, that was the lead up, the advertising for the circus, as well as the three days of the circus when we were we were pumping out photos and videos and things like that uh, to the area around Springfield, right? The five or six counties around Springfield. This year with our contract firm, we were approaching a half a million impressions for the circus. And 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 that that's not a ton when you think about, you know, social media heroes like, you know, Mr. Beast or any of those folks who are, you know, 12 and 15 million subscribers. But a half a million impressions in an area that has less than a half a million population uh, is is fantastic. Right. And and a lot of the, we had uh, our click through rate was was through the roof. And and but but going back to your point, Bill, how do we get to those people? Right now, that is one of the biggest ways to get those people, right? It's to get to folks, is to elevate our uh, our brand to the point where somebody says, this is what I want to do. Whether it's to help kids, whether it's to plan a party, <laughs> whether it's to uh, drive a tractor in a parade. You know, one of the biggest things that, that uh, <laughs> one of the biggest things that our members, especially our older members, don't like to hear is Shrine for years and years and years promoted itself and promoted the hospitals with our parade units, right? Uh, whether it was go-karts or golf carts or antique tractors or, or, or horses, we have amazing parade units. The problem is younger men don't really want to parade. They'd rather get together with friends and, and drink a glass of bourbon and smoke a cigar. Or Absolutely. go or go golf or, you know, maybe they have time in the morning to grab a donut and coffee to talk about shrine activities or Blue Lodge activities. They, you know, they don't have the either the, the, the wherewithal or the time to drive to Timbuktu and, and walk in the Fourth of July parade. Uh, I don't think that that tradition is going to go away anytime soon. But we have to understand that our guy, some of our new guys would rather do something like a bourbon and cigar club or a dinner club versus, you know, 
saddling up and and walking in a parade on Saturday morning. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's kind of become that cliche from the Ray Stevens Shriner Convention in a lot of ways. It's, you know, and it's, it's, you're absolutely right. Because when I, I didn't want a parade when I was, I took pictures of the parade for the website and the magazine, but I didn't want to be out there in it. You know right. what I mean? But so <laughs> you're absolutely right, and I think that you guys are on the right track. I mean, and then if you could get together with, like, you know, you're doing a membership with everybody else, I think that's a key too. Because I've always saying, "United we stand, divided we fall." I think right. that really applies here. You know, Darren. Uh, speaking of parades. Darren was a one-man uh, <laughs> Blue Lodge parade in the back of my truck. What was it, Darren? A couple of years ago. No, it was, just, it was this. It was just this, this past year, year correct? Yeah, yeah. That's right. So, so Darren was he was the he was the act, and I, guess I, I believe I had my fez on, so I was yes, you I, did. Was the, I was the one-man shrine shriner <laughs> on that flow, you which uh, which I, in retrospect, probably doesn't reflect well on the health of our club. To be honest with you. But, uh, <laughs> What was the parade? Well, Darren, what what questions you Darren? What I mean, we you and I've talked about membership, Darren, forever. But what do you reflect on as as, as you know some well, of these things? We've well, I'm about. I'm glad Dave kind of brought up demographics because uh, I was going to ask him what the average age of the the members and uh, Anzar currently is, if he knows or yeah, so, has an uh, idea. Yeah, it's a little lower. Uh, it's dropped over the last couple of years. We're at about 72. Nationally, Shrine is at about 76. Uh, Scottish Rite is right about there, 74 to 76. The interesting part, though, is our divan, right? So our elected officers, other than our recorder, who's a past potentate, all of them are below the age of 60. And that probably the first time in a little while. Uh, but it is a reflection of sort of the direction that at least Ansar is going. Uh, we have the, I will brag on Lodge 500 and Lodge 4 here in Springfield. They have brought in a number of men younger than 40, many younger than 30, uh, and have reinvigorated those lodges uh, to such an extent that they're also now joining Scottish Rite and Shrine and bringing that exuberance from masonry that, we haven't seen maybe in 50 years, maybe 60 years, right? There are a lot of articles about masonry in the last couple of years uh, showing that there are young men, really of all backgrounds, who are looking for a set of values. They may not be looking for a church family. They may not be looking for uh, a, a patriotic family. I'm not, you know, whatever the whatever the issue is, but they are looking for a set of values that masonry provides. And uh, I think at least in Springfield and, and with Ansar, uh, we're starting to see those dividends uh, come home. Yeah, that kind of led to my, my broader point. I mean, you were talking about the numbers you have to replace just to break even this year. You would want three three uh, new members per, per club. But I mean, realistically, if you're looking at or viewing it from like the idea of succession planning, you need to bring in more per club. Right, because if your average yeah. age is in the is, is in the mid seventies, you're looking at maybe on average those guys having ten years if they're lucky left in in their lives. So you got maybe ten more years of membership left with these guys, and and this is you know obviously a, a problem we see throughout Freemasonry is that this average age of the membership is very very high. And how do you engage young young guys, and especially with with the shrine, which you know I would think would probably be as to build Bill's point, given the hospitals, the easiest body to recruit younger guys into just based upon what the shrine stands for. You know, there's not a lot, there is ritual, but there's not a lot of ritual that's, that's, you know, that has to be memorized unless you get into that. But it's more about the philanthropy, the families, the fellowship, all of these things. So how, I guess, as, as a membership chairman, how do you highlight those things for younger men that you are wanting to try to recruit? Right. So I think that the idea of, uh, you know, sort of the shrine, you know, maybe the unofficial motto of fun, fellowship, and philanthropy, right? The, the three Fs, sort of like the three Rs, but it's not really. Anyway, those are those are really the areas that shrine can shine, right? And, and I think to some extent, we have to get back at the shrine to the, the fun and fellowship part of it. 
philanthropy is huge, right? It, you know, you, you just have watched television for 27 minutes and you're going to maybe see a shrine commercial. I think they have a good understanding of what the philanthropy is with the hospital. The issue, though, is that's such a large philanthropy that it can become almost an esoteric philanthropy, right? Because, yeah, you buy a, you buy a raffle ticket for an opportunity drawing or you buy a ticket for a travel raffle or you buy... You know, you buy tickets and you know that that money, some of that money is going to go to the hospital and blah, blah, blah. In connecting with men who are, you know, less than 60, who are still in their career, some of which, some of whom are in their 20s and 30s who are just starting, just starting their career, just starting their family. How do we meet them? The idea of, of masonry going out to meet them where they're at, I think is a new paradigm that we're just starting to explore. And maybe, maybe just becoming successful, right? Because those older guys, and, and I know that, that sort of one of the things that, that Greg and I discussed and, and, and one of the things that was brought up at the, at the membership and marketing uh, training session for Answer Our Shrine was, you know, they came up with this, this great marketing slogan, which was to be one, you have to ask one. To be one, ask one. That was the worst thing they could have ever done. The worst thing they could have ever done. Because... What that allowed everyone who was already in to do was sit back, was hands off, hands off. If I've got a nephew who wants to become a Mason, well, I guess he'll have to ask me at Christmas time. <laughs> I guess that's what will have to happen. Maybe he'll ask me at Christmas time. If he doesn't, oh, well, he doesn't become a Mason, right? <laughs> that was the worst thing we could have ever done because we have a whole, we have, we have multiple generations of Masons and Shriners and Scottish Rite Masons who think that that's how you join Masonry. That's not a rule. That's not a regulation. That's not codified anywhere. And so what we don't do well anymore, because we spent 30 years inculcating people to this idea that in order to become a Mason, you have to prostrate yourself to the altar of Masonry and hope that the guy down the hall in the cubicle who you think is a Mason because he's got a, you know, he's got some sort of Masonic symbol on his cube. You, if you go over and talk to him, even though you don't really even mention anything, because he's forty years older than you, maybe he'll bring you into lodge. That's crap. That's crap. We have to say to these young men and 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 these friends of ours at church or these friends of ours down the street, have you ever thought about being a Mason? Because we think you would make a great you would make a great Mason. We know you're a great man. We know you do fantastic work wherever it is. You sell cars. You drive trucks. You're a doctor. I don't care. We know you're a great man. We'd love to have you. We're, we have this great philanthropy, whether it's the hospital with, with Shrine or it's dyslexia with Scottish Rite or it's all the good work and the scholarships that Blue Lodge Masonry does. We think you're going to be great. Hell, that works for Rotary. It works for JCs. That's how they get their members. But we have a we have this this tradition of we're just going to sit back and we hope somebody knocks on the front door at the temple and it does that's not how it works anymore. And the nice thing about it is what you just said is you didn't ask him you just told him I think you'd make a great mason. So when you're ready, let right. me know. Right. So well, let's go. So that so that brings me to my second, which is off script, but. At what point do you envision the shrine uh, uh, making the decision to break away from Blue Lodge Masonry? Because I feel like that day, <laughs> I, 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 I'm being quite, I'm being quite honest here. Sorry, I, sorry. I, I'm I believe. Hard, 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 I, okay, all right. Well, you could just, you could just <laughs> nod or, yeah, or, or no. tap twice. But uh, because I mean, I'm going to be quite, I'll be quite direct yeah. here. Based upon, you know, the numbers I have already mentioned and based on my own personal experience with, with, you know, my involvement in, in, in Blue Lodge and other things, I don't have a good argument. So both my, my sons are, you know, an age where they could become Masons and neither of them is, are interested, which is, which is fine. And I don't, I, I not pushing that on them because you know, I, I believe fully in the not trying to have somebody join Masonry because of your dad's a Mason, your, you know, mercenary motives, whatever. But uh, I also seeing the writing on the wall feel that that of all the appended bodies, 
that that Freemasonry has that the shrine is the best one positioned to probably survive uh, what's going to be you know the, the, a, a very hard time for Freemasonry because we're going to see numbers decline very rapidly in a very short amount of time just based on attrition based on our average age of our membership across the board. So in my mind, the bodies that are best positioning themselves for success are going to be the ones that are are the ones that are thinking outside the box and thinking, well, maybe maybe we look at a scenario where we're bringing in good men, but they don't have to be Blue Lodge Masons. And I know this is blasphemy, and I'm probably going to be excommunicated from, from Grand Lodge for saying so. But I mean, and another point, honestly, Dave, is that I don't know that Blue Lodge helps with with Shrine membership just because if you're getting guys that age and they're joining Blue Lodge, there's probably a good chance after they're raised and they attend one lodge meeting, if they're not in the shrine al- already, that they're not going to ever come back to Freemasonry. And that's honestly because my 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 two the two things that we do not talk about in Freemasonry are talked about all the time in Freemasonry, and that's religion and politics. And it is it is such a divisive force in our society right now that it has infiltrated our lodges and. I feel that a lot of younger guys are ran off because of it, because they hear these secretarian discussions before the gavel drops, even though they're, we're not supposed to talk about on a lodge building period. All the old guys are like, well, that's only between the gavels, which is, which is complete bullshit. But any case, uh, you know, that's my main concern is that if you want younger guys to join Freemasonry, to join the shrine, to join all these things. And we got to, we got to be authentic because that's what they're looking for is an authentic experience. And when we say that we're, we're not going to talk about these things and then we talk about them, you know? Yeah, no. And and Darren, I think that, I think, you know, yes, there, there's always discussion or has been recently a lot of discussion about the separation, right? The schism. I think there is, though, maybe another answer or another path, and that is is sort of how we began this discussion, which is we have to begin working together, right? We have to begin working together as appended bodies in the truest sense of that word, right? We, we have to stop with sort of the petty infighting between the appendant bodies. We also, we also, and I am firm believer in this to the point where we are going to make some headway this year with Prince Hall Mason. We have to better understand the relationship between Masons, their appendant bodies as one relationship, and Prince Hall Mason. And we have to figure out a better way to come together. And you know, here's the thing. We probably all get the same publications from Shrine International as well as the Northern Masonic Jurisdiction as well as, you know, Illinois Freemasonry. And we as Shriners, we as Scottish Rite Masons, we had to take it to heart when Shriners International, Southern Masonic Jurisdiction, and Northern Masonic Jurisdiction, and Prince Hall Masonry come together and say that we are one body and we have to we have to work and fight as one body. So I understand completely, Darren, that there is a there is an argument to be made for Shrine Shriners International to become its own standalone international fraternity, like Kiwanis, as an example, right? Kiwanis is a large international fraternity, standalone. I think the reverse, though, is there's a strong argument to be made that the reason that that's an argument is because we haven't fought to be one body again. And and we allowed those petty jealousies and those those insecurities between the appendant bodies to get the better of us. Because you're exactly right, Darren, that that we espouse these values. And in many time, in many cases at Lodge, they're just that. They're, we're just mouthing those and we're not living those. And, and if we live those, if we truly, truly live those, then I think that that's, that's where we find success. I mean, there's an argument you made, right? And, and you want to get excommunicated? And, and Greg had... Had the pleasure of, of being with me in membership and marketing. You want to get excommunicated? Ask ask somebody from the hospitals. Why do you need Shriners? We hardly give you any money, 
and we hardly make any referrals. We make mm-hmm. 2% of the referrals to all the Shriners hospitals. 2% come from Shriners. 98% come from God knows where. We hardly raise them the money that they need to operate. So if we're going to separate, hmm, kind of seems like the hospitals might go off on their own. It's, it's possible. <laughs> and not have to deal with all these, all these drunks with funny hats. Possibility. <laughs> possibility. You said you said that, not me, and I'm not editing that out. So. And in fact, that's, in fact, that's going to be that's going to be in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> this, this might be the highest number right. of downloads yeah. we've ever had. Remember, like, they'll all be from Tampa, Florida. Right. 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 <laughs> Knocking on wood, maybe I'll become potentate in 2027. Yeah, After know. this podcast, nah. Whatever. Whatever. You'll be well, I still got Scottish right. Well, I'll get you know <laughs> when I get uh, when I get my suspension email from the Grandmaster tomorrow because of what I said. I'll. Uh, well, here's the thing. I'm also the chair of the jurisprudence mm-hmm. committee for Grand Lodge, so oh, I'll go. see your I'll see your suspension letter before you. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So you maybe give give Greg give Greg a heads up, please. Yeah. Uh, but well, but I mean, you know, it's kind of devolved into to. To uh, and it is it is funny, but I mean it's also serious. And this is you know where I, I you know I Greg and I have had these discussions where I just don't see a lot of Masonic bodies. Kind of I see a lot of Masonic bodies. I say resting on their laurels. Like I I don't you know I can tell that that you and Anzar Shrine you're thinking about these things, and that gives me hope that at least there are some bodies thinking about these things. But in a lot in a lot of cases. I personally feel that that we kind of just masonically bury our head in the sand, and then it's essentially the guys that are in power right now are like, "Well, it's not going to happen on my watch, so I don't have to worry about it because I'll be dead." Well, it is kind of your problem because you're leaving the rest of us a, a mess that we're going to have to clean up. And uh, what really is, and I've recently told Greg this in, in an ed- education I did for the Lodge and have written it in pieces I've written for our, our the Midnight Freemason blog. Uh, but I mean, now more than ever, when you're a Freemason, you're out in public, you need to mind your P's and Q's if you're wearing that square and compass or your shrine fez or whatever, because all it takes is one ignorant Freemason or Shriner to go viral on social media to, to you know, cause a lot of problems for the rest of us. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely, absolutely, and and you know, but but to your point about folks resting on their laurels, right? What we need to recruit, so and this, so this is getting beyond membership, right? Now we're talking. Let's talk about leadership. To 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 be a leader in anything, community service, masonry, business, is to essentially plan for your demise, right? You have to plan for your succession. You have if you're going to be a good leader. You have to decide and 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 thoughtfully plan for who's going to take your place. You're absolutely right, Darren. We have a multiple generations where, in Shrine at least, let's say Shrine, people have planned for their year as potentate. Well, it's not their year. It's the temple. Every year is the temple's year. You just have to be in charge that year. It, it, the, the world doesn't revolve around you, right? The world revolves mm-hmm. around the temple. And you... you can't sit on your laurels, like you said, Darren, and just assume that next year something better will happen. And so one of the other things that that Greg and I learned a little bit about in membership and marketing school was the idea that in almost everything else we do, we have a plan, right? Sit at the kitchen counter here. We plan for our household. Uh, you're at work. You work for university. You work for the state government. You work for yourself. You have to plan. How am I going to make money? How are we going to get better? How are we going to build? How are we going to grow? We don't freaking do that in masonry, right? Year after year, we're just like, well, who's going to plan the Christmas party this year? Well, the Christmas party is not going to bring in membership. The Christmas party is not going to bring in new members or dues or anything else. We don't have a one, three, five, seven-year plan. So as the Oriental Guide at Ansar Shrine, I have proposed that going forward, the OG is in charge of the five-year plan. So the Oriental Guide, who is the first member on the Shrine line, right, the lowest member on the Shrine line, is now in charge of the, of the five-year plan. We don't have it yet. We're going to work on it. But the reason that is is because the potentate, the minute they get elected, 
or the commander-in-chief at Scottish Rite, the, or the worshipful master, the minute they become in charge, they're a lame duck. They're a lame duck. They're time limited. And and, and so, Darren, like you said, they're ready to kind of just cruise on to retirement, right? They're going to coast through their year. They might do a lot of fun stuff. They might raise a lot of money, but their opinion doesn't count for too terribly much, right? Because they're just looking at December 31st or, or May 1st or whatever their time is. And so every level, Blue Lodge, Scottish Rite, York Rite, Ansar, or Shrine, they, we all need to have a plan. And it needs to be a five-year plan. And it needs to come from really the bottom of the electeds. Because if this, unless this podcast gets me kicked off my line, I will eventually be potentate in 2027. I got a whole bunch of crap that I want to get done before then. And there's a whole bunch of stuff this temple needs to do before then. And it needs to happen before I'm potentate, you know. And so just like everything else, we have to plan. And we don't do it. We don't do it. We're getting we're getting left in the dust because, you know, people just go to lodge and they pay the bills and then they go home. And they might have well, a crap. And again. we do it till we, you know, one of the lodges I'm in, I mean, maybe more than one. You know, we're going through the motions. You hope to get seven people to sign the book to have an official meeting. And that's the only goal, you know, and then we right. do it again and do it again. And and I think right. that's that's to Darren's point, Dave, to, yeah. your, to your point, too. I don't know. And Darren and I have talked about this and Bill. I, I, I Is masonry capable of having that long view of doing that multi-year uh, you know, planning? I mean, frankly, do we have the, the membership do we have within our membership the ability to do that? Because if, if we look at our average age, those guys, they may have either already been there and done that or they're, they're, they're worn out by the time they're that age. Have we brought in enough, not just bringing in young members, however you find age, but do we have enough people that can go through the thought process that's going to be what it's going to take to do that multi-year planning other than just let's get by another year to, to survive? I'm not sure we do. You know, that's no knock on anybody of us that's there, but I, I'm not sure there's enough of a nucleus sometimes uh, in, in lodges and elsewhere to, that can think through that far. Well, I honestly believe that's our problem, our fault too, because all the guys that we could have had who could have done that, we tend to run away just because we, you know, don't let them do anything or we tell them, well, you know, that's, we've never done that before. Or just go sit down there when you're a master, you can do whatever you want, or at least try because we'll tell you we can't do it then. You know, and so we just, we run them off because we don't treat them right once we get them in. Once you got them in, kind of like, oh, okay, well, you're in, goodbye. So, I mean, we, we've had them. It's just we don't keep them because we of our attitudes. Yeah, I, you know, that's a great question and a great observation, Bill. And, and, you know, Greg, I think that it isn't so much the membership, it's the will, right? If the, if the oh. goal is to get seven guys so you can have a real meeting, right, that's, that's the wrong reason to have a meeting. I mean, if five guys show up and they're enthusiastic and they're passionate about masonry, and they want to sit around. Hell, if four guys show up uh, and they want to have a podcast because they're passionate about masonry and they want to talk about it for an hour and a half, then then that's what counts, right? That's the important thing. If you if you don't have enough guys to actually have a meeting, but you have enough members, you have enough masons who care about being there, then that's the important part. And those are the guys that need to be activated, right? I give the example. So after I finished law school, became very active with Scottish Rite and, ha- and, and still am very active with Scottish Rite. When I first started going to monthly stated meetings at Scottish Rite, it sucked. It was horrible. It was horrible. I was one of the youngest people to be there. Uh, so I was probably in my mid 40s. And it was awful. You go and there'd be some crappy old man dinner like, you know, ham and beans and cornbread. And then we'd have some half-assed meeting, and then that'd be it. It'd be done. And it's just like, what is the use of this thing, right? Well, thankfully, thankfully, there were a number of guys who got together, older and wiser than me, uh, and said, we got to do something different. We got to do something different. And, and what they ended up doing was scheduling a degree every month. 
rather than just having degree work at reunions in the in the fall and the spring, our valley started having a, a live degree every month. And what that ended up doing over the last seven years was not only did you bring those cast members together, right? So some of those degrees have, you know, 15, 20, sometimes 30 guys to have a full cast for those degrees. So you brought that cast together. Then people were coming because they can get that degree and they can get that passport filled out and and they could they could have a nice evening. So there was dinner, or there still is. There's dinner, then there's a degree and a little short meeting because you got to do a meeting. And then there's an afterglow. There's some cocktails afterwards. And as part of my role in both houses, both in Shrine and in Scottish Rite, I tend to count bodies, especially now that I'm membership, right? Ansar Shrine for the last 13 or 14 months typically has between 35 and 40 members at a stated meeting. We have 2,228 members. Is that what I put in the email today? Um, Or 2,223 members. Scottish Rite Valley Springfield typically has between 55 and 70 guys at every stated meeting, and they Scottish Rite only has 1,400 members. So you see the difference there, and, and the reason really is because Scottish Rite got sort of back to its roots with degree work and talking about what it means to be a Scottish Rite Mason, and we're going to push the dive-in that we have at Ansar Shrine is pushing that every single day, and uh, I think Shrine's going to get back there pretty quickly. You know, I've often, I, I, you know, despite what I, you know, observed earlier, I'm still optimistic though because I think in in some ways there's almost two masonries going on at the same time, and I in in that I mean there's the old traditional the way we've always done it and uh, you know crowd, but that crowd's gonna they're gonna cycle through. I mean, just because of life. But yet, there's an awful lot of energetic, Dave, you're talking about your lodges there in Springfield. And and I see it across the, especially the social media sphere where a lot of us know each other because of Facebook or whatever. There is a, there's almost a resurgence coming through that's much smaller in size, you know, than the post-World War II generation, obviously. But I don't think masonry is going to die. I just think, you know, it's going through this major transition right now, and maybe sometimes we just don't we don't look at it hard enough. But look, I mean, Dave, the the thoughts that you put forward in terms of that, you know, the progressive line, and I don't mean progressive like move from one chair to the next, but forward thinking. There's a I I think there's going to be a surge of younger people come in that if they're they're going to say, look, if I am going to be a part of this, then it's going to be more than you know you know, seven guys at the meeting, and that's the only goal of the night. I don't know where we're at on that arc, though. I don't know if we're at the beginning, you know, because it's going to happen. You know, it's masonry has gone through these evolutions before. I don't think it's unique where we're at now because the numbers, they come up and down. But I do think it is going to have to get majorly refocused to attract people. It's just, I'll give you an example tonight. I was at a scout meeting tonight for the council, and so we had guess what? The membership report saying, you know, mm-hmm. Dave, it's, it's like, oh, I was thinking about you and where we're giving it and numbers are going down. And in our case, one of the major reasons is we can't get enough parents to step up to be the leaders. And right. so we had a little mini discussion about, you know, people under 40 and I, you know, they don't step up and this, that, and the other. It's it was almost the same discussion. It could have just changed the the logo from you know the Florida Lee to the Square and Compass, and it was the right. same. You know, it wasn't the kids? The kids will join, but it's we're in this funk right now in society about getting people to come and get them to join and, and you know whatever. Do you think we'll kickstart our, ourselves out of this anytime soon, or is it a long arc? I think it's a, I think it's going to be a longer arc. I think we're gonna we're gonna get to a we're gonna get to a rock bottom. Unfortunately, at some point where we are able to replace ourselves, uh, meaning new members in, you know, old members out, and at that point, then I think you know we start to to do somewhat of a climb. The issue, the issue for me is is when can we arrest, or how do we, you know, my job is how do we arrest that decline, and you know, I'm throwing everything I can at the wall to try and do that, and and there just needs to be 
you know, there always needs to be more communication. There always needs to be more training. There always needs to be more leadership. Uh, and so I am, I am very enthusiastic, very positive about the work we're doing. I'm hopeful at the end of this 12 months that I see some success. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to, but I'm hopeful that uh, by being positive, by being off, by offering different uh, skill sets, by offering tools that we're going to get guys, we're going to get some of these younger guys who are new and they're passionate to step up and, and bring in, bring in their friends and their family. Uh, because that's really where we got to start. It's always friends and family first. Well, you know, we're getting long here in the show. Why don't we, uh, we'll go around another time, Bill, any, uh, any final thoughts or questions or observations for Dave while we, uh, wrap it up? Well, it sounds like you guys are on the right track and it's too bad. Many more bodies of masonry aren't following your lead. And hopefully someday they'll see your success and will. Well, I hope I have the success. <laughs> hey, you're already trying. I mean, that's in a way is you're trying something different. In a way, that's successful right now. It may not bear fruit today, but other people may see what you're doing and build upon that in the future. So you're getting there. It's just you're willing to try. I think that's a big set forward right there. But I just want to thank you for being on our show, and I hope you'll come back and maybe we can talk about membership or. Something else. Love I, to. I would Anything. Love, yeah, I'd love to talk about Shrine more. That's one of my favorite subjects. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Anytime you guys want me. Oh, absolutely. Darren. Uh, I just want to thank you, Dave, for, for coming on. I appreciate your time. And uh, should Valley Springfield decide to hold eight or 30, it'll complete my uh, my passport. <laughs> so so give, give Greg a list. Give, Give Greg a heads up, please, so I can get that done. But yeah, I would. Um, in May, I will. Uh, if things keep going the way they're going, thanks to the Thursday night right at the right, and I'm going to go up to Grand Rapids to see two degrees, and then I'll have all my all mine in. There you go. Nice. Yeah. So, so another thing, Bill beat me at. <laughs> oh, I'm, really get, I'm beating you on the HGA thing too. So, <laughs> you, well, you you are, but if you want to take over editing the podcast and the blog, uh, I'll have I'll have plenty of free time to I'll have plenty of free time to pursue such things. So, I mean, I'm just saying. Anyway, uh, again, Dave, thank you so much for coming on, and I appreciate uh, your your candor. Thank you. Uh, thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Well, Dave, I think we had a great show here. We were kind of in the in the deep like we get sometimes, <laughs> but uh, I, I think you the enthusiasm you bring to membership, uh, we need it. I, I mean I've I've you know, I've been in the shrine fifteen years and wasn't really very active till the last two or three years. And I'm more optimistic, uh, you know, both about Scottish Rite and the Shrine and indirectly the Blue Lodge, but I see the leadership of, uh, especially at the national level, that's, you know, translating down from, you know, both Northern Masonic Jurisdiction and the Shrine. Right. Given the locals the resources and others the tools to do it, if we just step in there and, and put some effort into it, it it's there. We just got to get yeah. some guys in. So, okay, so I'll show you. I, I did sign some members last year. I got the... Yeah, look at you. Thanks to Darren. That's he fantastic. Was one of, you got the watch? Got the watch. But I didn't do it for the watch, you know. We signed. That's 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 partly my watch, apparently. Then I want to wear it every every Tuesday when there's a full yeah. moon. Yeah, I know, I know. But anyway, I you know what? I just I made a list of some guys. I've actually still got a prospect list. I I need to follow up and and see if we can get those three this year. That'd but, be great. You know the, the the what I'll close with on membership is it's not all about the numbers. And, 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 and you've not emphasized that either. You just gave a numeric value to it. But you do need the new blood, though, in to kickstart life. And, and, I, and this, I say this with Blue Lodge or any of them, you just need those new members coming in because even some of us old cranky people will get excited when the new guys come because there's a new energy and a vibe. So membership does matter. It, you it know, does. It, it's, you know, the numbers will take care of itself if you have the product. But, but membership is uh, a very important bit. So, yeah. Dave, any final thoughts on your part as we as we wrap up here? You know, just real quickly, the the one topic we didn't get to was retention, right? Yes. And obviously, we, we can't beat the black camel. Uh, we can't we can't beat death. But retention is also important, and so maybe that's a topic for another podcast. 
Um, we're trying to do some new things, and but retention is is also it's tough, right? We talked about the mitts right at the beginning of the show, but yeah, let's next time we talk, let's talk more about retention. Well, I think we just Darren, I think we just scheduled our next guest for next <laughs> month, so this will be part one membership. Part two will be you've got them in the door. How do you right. keep well, what are you doing with them? All right, actually, very right. seriously. Well, so for our listeners, we will we'll we'll come back, and that'll be our. Our next episode, because that that is equally uh, important. So, Dave, oh, yeah. great to have you first time on our show. Obviously, exactly. now you're you, you've already got your invite and uh, halfway <laughs> scheduled for uh, the next one. So we'll we'll do retention, and uh, I, I think it's uh, it's just uh, very important. So again, appreciate you being here, and uh, we appreciate everybody that listens to Meet Act in part, and please uh, encourage others to listen to us and uh, join us next time for another exciting episode. Thank you for listening to Meet, Act, and Part. For more information about our show visit our website at www.meetactandpart.com. While there please consider supporting the show by sponsoring us on Patreon. Until we meet again, may we meet, act, and part.